Welcome to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. We have a special episode for you this week to launch our new workbook for family members that we've just published. The workbook's called Addressing Addiction in the Home. So this workbook is brand new, but it's actually been several years in the making. For about 10 years, MAR counselors have been doing a one-day seminar open to families in the community with just the purpose of educating people on the disease of addiction, what's going on with their loved one, how it has affected their whole family, how to stop enabling, and how to set boundaries and to take care of themselves. We've put all of this material together into this workbook called Addressing Addiction in the Home. Copies of this are available for sale now through our website. All you have to do is visit marinc.org slash workbook. That's M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G slash workbook. And you can purchase a copy of your very own today. And for podcast listeners, we have a special offer. You can get half off when you enter the promo code FAMILY at checkout. That's promo code FAMILY. To give you a sample of some of the material you're going to encounter in this workbook, today I'm going to talk to two parents who sent two of their sons to Mar at different times. They give an excellent explanation of addiction as a family disease and how they now are involved in their own recovery by applying what they learned here at our family program. So here's Andrew and Patty talking about the family disease and their experience of family recovery. How would you kind of describe um, this as a family disease? I know that that can be kind of hard for people to understand. How were you starting to see that show up in your like in your dynamics in terms of how you all were relating, maybe even with each other or with your sons? And you kind of um, don't realize. Um, I didn't realize how chaotic it was, and how exhausting it was. So um, the dynamics of of this family, you know, disease that they talk about for me was just exhaustion and worry and surveillance Mm -hmm. and not sleeping and uh, fighting and all of those kinds of things. Um, And so it was just, uh, it all fed into everything fed into it and you you hit your you put your head on the pillow at night exhausted with your last thought thinking before you went to sleep tomorrow we're going to do it again uh-huh. and so um and and we wanted to for me I wanted to do it in house <laughs> With no capacity or capability to do that, I, I kind of was thinking. I was talking this week to somebody, and uh, about you know going back and giving myself a break, and having a conversation with myself five years ago, just you know currently, and say you know you don't understand this right now, but you're going to learn that there's ways to go about this. But at the time, I didn't know, and um, and so it was the relationships were just toxic. And, and so that was something that at some point the water flo- you know, flows and it goes over the top of the glass. And, um, and so we had to do something. Um, and so that's how I remember it. Um, it was, it was um, every day was a – and the fear of, you know, knowing that my sons were having these addiction issues and, and – chasing it out to the 
end of end result of what's going to happen and thinking about they're going to die or they're going to kill somebody else or something tragic's going to happen. I mean, how is that possible that you can live that day to day to day mm. without um, reaching out? Um, and so at some point, that's what we needed to do. And we did. Yeah, I think even for me, um, you know, sometimes I think it's generational and there's things that you have from your own family that you kind of repeat patterns um, if you don't look at them. And so, you know, I was definitely primed in different ways to um, believe that it's really important to look good. And, um, you know, I think in our, you know, family, it was, uh, and every family, you know, every family has their, their stuff and their, their, their patterns or their themes. But, um, yeah, I remember that when we first started seeing some issues that it was getting hard to ignore. Um, but I do remember you saying, Andrew, you know, well, we need to circle the wagons. (laughs) And so it really was like, we've got to fix this on our own. And, you know, and so then it starts the craziness of, I mean, you know, there was already, you know, trying to, you know, trying to keep up appearances while things are falling apart. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's when the isolation starts in the family, you know, more, even more so. So we changed, you know, we didn't socialize as much. We, you know, every day was, you know, it was, was, became dependent on what, you know, our kids were doing and yeah. And so it just, and and I say kids, but you know, they were getting into the young adult. Well, one was young adult, other was still in the teen years, but anyway, that just became the driving force. And so rather than reaching out for support, we were isolating and still kept thinking we could think our way out of this, think our way out Mm -hmm. of this, which, you know, it's just like for the person in addiction, it's that stinking thinking and mm-hmm. it's not going to get, you know, it's not going to work for you. Um, so we had to change our habits and patterns. Um, but yeah, so it really is, I think, with it being a family disease, I guess I would say it, there's a parallel process. So just as the person who's going through the addiction is having their disease progress, you're having a parallel process as the family member. And so, um, but it's very hard to recognize that because you're so externally other focused. Mm-hmm. So you keep thinking if this, you know, if my pers- person with this behavior will change, everything would just be okay. And I know exactly what he or she should do, you know, and they just won't listen to me. And so you just get in this crazy pattern of keep trying more mm-hmm. and more of the same and nothing changes. So that's where I see that's that, that family disease. And then you end up, you can end up with, you know, many of this... You know, you can end up with health problems and stress and all kinds of things that, you know, progress for you as well. So um, because it is a a mind, body, spirit disease. So you're going to have ramifications in all areas of your life. And so very parallel process. (laughs) I, I forgot about that tidbit of advice I gave circle the wagons <laughs> that was yeah that's that's really good but, um, again we can laugh about it <laughs> so I think the thing about it really is that you you know thinking now you just really you open your circle mm-hmm. and um and let in the right know, people at I the mean, right time yeah I mean some you talk to some of the folks around here who work at Mar. You know, there are a bunch of Yodas walking around with, with <laughs> stuff that they say that you go, oh. And it's the, the care, you know, that you, um, you're not thinking about that, you know. And um, just to have um, another viewpoint um, 
because, you know, my point of view back then was just very focused and lasered in and I just didn't want to hear anything else. And so, you know, just opening the circle to others who have uh, been through it as well, like in your family groups or Al-Anon or whatever um, you might want to do, um, that was a game changer for sure. I think the one thing um, when I went through the MAR uh, program, um, of course, they were letting us know what the program um, did for our son. Um, but there was also a focus on um, making sure that uh, me as a family member, as a dad, um, go through my own recovery mm-hmm. and focus on myself. So before it was, um, you know, what is this program in other programs? What What is this program going to do for my son? What is this program going to do to fix my son? Right. And um, here is, it was a deeper dive for sure and um, allowed me to understand that uh, my son and uh, both of them as they go through, you know, that's their journey. Mm-hmm. You know, that's their recovery. And I really don't have much to do with it. Um, you know, and so, but I have a lot to do with my own recovery and mm-hmm. my own journey. So working on that um, was an eye opener. Yeah, that's that's so crucial. I, I, you, you both just kind of summarized the chat. So the second, the first chapter in the workbook we have is the the disease of addiction, kind of talking about what's happening in the addict's or alcoholic's brain. You know, your loved one has undergone these physical changes, which affects their their outlook on life. Um, but the second chapter is about the family disease, and it was it goes through exactly what you just said that. Just as their d- disease is progressing, the family members. And so for the family, it might not be you're obsessing about the drug or the alcohol, but you're obsessing about the addict. Totally. And you get addicted to the addict. Mm-hmm. And um, and then that can turn in, and that progresses to a later stage where you're sneaking and, you know, checking in on them just like they're sneaking yes. and like trying to hide things. And then it progresses to, um, you know, you can't think of anything else and then it progresses to maybe health problems you can't sleep and you're so it's it's a very i love what you said that that's a perfect way to phrase it parallel process Mm -hmm. and and what you said about opening the circle because we can't and then so we 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 isolate as a family because we don't want anyone else to see but we're all kind of sick and not being able to see things correctly and so it's like sick people trying to heal sick people and it's just uh which but it's totally understandable why you would think you know it's i of course and um you you don't want to let people in because that it's like you're at your most vulnerable and all that and so it makes sense why people do it but it's just unfortunately the kind of counterintuitive thing of opening up is what allows to the right people allows them and i think a lot of it is you know we are not alone. When we go um, and talk, I mean, we don't go out and talk about it all the time, but right. you know, when you're in a group and, and the topic comes up and you talk about certain things and share about our journey, um, invariably people come up and they'll, they'll talk about, as an, either as an aside or out in front of a group, the things that they've had in their lives, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, there's just commonality to it. It's living, you know, it's life and, um, and, and just, you know, sharing this information, uh, others sharing their information with us, that's, that unlocked uh, a lot. And it was a big relief too. 
because um, here, of course, you know, I want to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking back then, yeah, I got, I can crack this code. I got the capacity to do this. No way. I know I didn't. And so just hearing other information from others who shared it with me, uh, it took a lot off my shoulders for sure um, and made me realize that I don't have to carry it from goal line to goal line. I just need to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. And that's enough, you know, and, and other folks will focus on their, their journeys and their recovery and um, we'll support where we can support. Um, and, you know, we've always told our, our boys we'll support them in recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. been, that's the, the boundaries and that's how it's gone. You know, we're, we're all in. If, uh, if you're making decisions based on recovery, we're all in. Um, if you're using, sorry, mm-hmm. um, we can't, uh, we can't be a part of that. Yeah, and I think for um, families to recognize too, just that you know, it, it, underneath it all, as we're saying, um, just like the the addict is feeling at their core a lot of shame. You feel a lot of shame, mm. and so I think that shame is what gets in the way sometimes for really reaching out. So um, I think if we can accept, you know, that this is a disease, this is what happens, and as as Andrew was sharing, that so many people, if you do, if you are a little vulnerable and talk about it, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know anyone who doesn't have someone in their life who's been mm. impacted by addiction in some form or fashion. So you know, not everyone's going to have uh, understand it at a level that they can be helpful. But mm-hmm. I think it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, it's it's pretty pervasive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you have to realize that and recognize you're not alone, and that um, and that there's really nothing to be um, ashamed about. It's just what can we, you know, how do we, um, you know work on ourselves and take care of this and do things that are helpful and not helpful? And how do we get away from, get moved from being so totally disconnected um, and, and become more connected? So as you guys are getting this information and it's starting to sink in for you that, okay, this has affected our whole family. I need to focus on my recovery. Do you remember kind of pivotal moments where you maybe set a boundary or did something that was hard or felt scary? Like, I don't know if they're going to be okay if I don't jump in and rescue or if I don't, were there moments like that? And could you kind of describe <laughs> how you, how you got through that? Cause I imagine a lot of those for people is getting their loved one into treatment. You know, they sit, they throw down an ultimatum of it's either this or you're on your own or something like that. So I imagine people listening to that might be kind of facing that um, dilemma right now. How do I do this and know that it's going to be okay? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly saying um, that you, yeah, aren't going to be able to live in our, live in our house anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's up to your choice, and we had to do that. You know, you can, um, you know, really in, in a way with both sons that, you know, although it looked different for each of them. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, always having a choice there because it is there, it is finally that person's choice but so you can keep doing what you're doing but not in our our home was uh was something that we had to to say um so up to you you know we'll we are willing to help financially for uh treatment um 
and and really at later point, it was really up to one of them to just figure it out. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so uh, with even that, but right, you know, right. but kind of seeing what your bound, getting really clear about what your boundaries are and setting those limits. I think that's when it made it possible for them to make a choice towards recovery, towards health. And also, you know, recognizing, I think for us, uh, over time, we got more clear about when relapse happens, how to respond to that too, because we do see that now that that can be part of someone's recovery journey. And, um, and uh, initially with one of our sons, I think we may have yeah, I mean, again, when you know better, you do better. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> of course, yeah. But so we, um, you know, might have been too quick to uh, initially to allow uh, things because we were still hung up on the dream of of college and what that might look like uh, mm-hmm. to to be quick too quick to enable some things. So, but over time we realized that that wasn't healthy and that it first, you know, there's the priority of, you know, first things first, what's the most important thing in there. Um, and, and it, it obviously <laughs> college can happen at any time in yeah. their life, but recovery has to happen first. So, so yeah, we had to get really clear on some boundaries um, and it got easier with time, but at first it's really hard and you, you, you do worry. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't know, Andrew, do you want well, to have a different say, Yeah. It's interesting when he said, you know, the dream of college and, and of course that was all the, the thought process, but then, you know, now I'm saying, thinking to myself, well, whose dream? You know, whose dream, you know, whose journey, mm-hmm. um, right. So, um, just kind of stepping back from that and, and not living vicariously through anybody, right. yeah. you know, exactly. but I think the, um, there's so many times that, um, that, uh, initially when something difficult happened, um, I'd jump in, drop everything. And so, um, so in answering your question, as, as more, as it evolved and, and um, as I learned more and, you know, when, when so-called crises happen, I found myself not responding immediately. Um, mm-hmm. I'd always yeah. be interested in, in if, if they were safe, um, but I wouldn't just drop everything. And the message I felt like as I look back at it, when I would drop everything and jump in, I mean, for me, I'm thinking to myself, well, what message does that give them? You know, the message I think it might give them is, yeah, you know what? You're not, you can't handle this. You need somebody who's got brilliance and (laughs) pizzazz. (laughs) (laughs) Would that that be you? (laughs) That's what I was thinking. And I know now that is not me. I'm just, you know, no, it's not. But at the time, you know, you, you, you just the message that that I felt like as I look back at it, that was what it was. And so um, as I stopped just jumping in, um, it seemed like the the crises 
didn't arise, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe they did and, and they were handling things and, you know, they're living their own life. And so. Or you pause. I mean, I think we got better at the two. That was great, Andrew, because that's so true. We learned that we didn't have to give an answer right away and we could take yeah. time to sit with things mm-hmm. and not being so reactive, I think, was when we started to do that more, we knew we were getting healthier. And then it was amazing how often those things that you think you have to get involved in, they would work it out on their own. Just if we would say, well, let's, let us think about it. Yeah, we don't, right. We're not going to decide right now. And right. then somehow they would magically work something out, you know, but we had to wait and pause. And that's so hard when you've been used to being, you know, in that reactive mode that this disease is part of the disease. And you're trying to put, think, thinking your role is to put out all the fires. And it's absolutely not. I think I remember in the program here, somebody had said, um, if you need an answer, now the answer is no. no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that a good one. Yeah, you know, I that's think a good somebody one. said that uh, mm-hmm. in the program. You know, because it, it's it, that I recall a lot of instances where um, an immediate response was requested, um, and so initially I would give an immediate response or do something. But you know, um, I think that's good. That that was a good uh, message for me to hear. What, when you were talking about that, it just reminded me, too, that how much of this I heard from a family member who was active in their recovery, like you all are, that the phrase, allowing them the dignity of their own choice. Yes. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge, yeah, because then it, then it reframes this as I'm not being cold, I'm being loving, I'm letting them um, mm-hmm. have the dignity to, if you want to drink, you're an adult. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you have the dignity to make that choice for yourself. If you want to get into recovery, you know, um, but yeah. get, but getting there is we have to learn to tolerate our own feelings mm-hmm. like in those moments of, I need you to respond right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, just like, because, you know, someone in addiction, they can't, that's part of it that they don't want to sit with their uncomfortable feelings. And that's why the the drug is calling to them. And and then we have that same thing. We don't want to sit because we're so other focused. If they're in distress, we're in distress. And so I want them to feel better so that I feel better. And so again, that creates that vicious cycle. And we can learn that I can be okay, even if he or she is not okay. My well-being an emotional state doesn't have to be completely determined by, doesn't need to be determined by other people. But that's hard to, you know, that's a hard, pro- it's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can can get more. You know, it doesn't mean you you don't still have some uncomfortable feelings, mm-hmm. but you can learn to, that you can sit with them and recognize that how I feel today is not how I'm going to feel tomorrow. And that's the same thing that I think, you know, again, in addiction, they're learning too, is that, just because it's painful right now doesn't mean this is going to be the way it always is. And so having more confidence that you can, you know, go to your sources of support. And while it does feel hard today, tomorrow may feel completely different. So you will get through it. So, Yeah, yeah the, the dignity is important because yeah. if, um, if not, if, if I continue to make the decisions and, and suggest and counsel and all of those things – then the universe of our conversations would be about addiction. When you, you know, when I realize that it's, you know, not about me, 
uh, found that the, the the topics of discussion, the experiences, the the, the relationship um, between between us is just broad. You know, it broadened, and it wasn't all about you know the conversation about addiction again, mm-hmm. because. Um, you know that that's what it was it was monochrome for for a while so you know mm-hmm. just understanding that um somebody um we talk to sometimes about this and he says that if i don't hear my name in the first couple words of a sentence then <laughs> I'm, i'll be quiet yeah. it's not about me <laughs> i'm not going to inject myself into it you know if i don't hear andrew and you know first three words then this must be a, a topic that has nothing to do with me mm-hmm. And so that's kind of broadened the relationship, I think. I hope um, it has for me. Um, I, it's been wonder. Uh, it's been wonderful watching those guys and yeah, uh, what seeing they're what doing. they're doing and how uh-huh. they're approaching things and how they're um, moving, how they're living their lives. Um, it's it's nice to see, yeah. you know. And I know it's it's difficult uh, for. I don't know this, but I I would think that it's difficult. Uh, for them at some point, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but difficult. How, what you mean with, to be with us or, <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, maybe, or, no, I'm just talking about in terms of the recovery, oh, of and course, the, the, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. with society and, oh, yeah. and you go to a ball game and there, there's everything, you know, right. everyone's drinking and sure. you go to a, you know, a restaurant and, you know, it, it, it's just all around us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the strength, there for for them to move forward in the face of all these these things and it's pretty remarkable to me Uh yeah and i would just say too yeah it's been nice that uh that we are able to be as you said together now and it is lighter and Mm -hmm. you know like you say we're not having conversations about well are you going to meetings Mm -hmm. are you you know all that stuff we don't check anymore and it's just we can just enjoy being together and it's kind of fun we all went uh did a have done a couple family get together get little trips together and and it's been um really fun and it's also been you know at the end they're getting on each other's nerves and and we're getting you know like normal that's just normal family stuff and you have to realize you know that's just part of it so Mm -hmm. we we love it when you come and we love it when you (laughs) go and they feel the exact same way i'm sure absolutely (laughs) that's great and it's what what kind of got you through those moments when you get activated by their distress and you really feel that urge to jump in and rescue or um yeah do something that you know it's going to be from the information you've learned that it's going to be codependent or enabling how do you get through those moments and refrain from doing that well i just think that you know if you steal from the medical model, the preventive medicine model. If your doctor says, you know, you eat right and exercise and do all these things healthy, you won't end up in the emergency room. So a lot of these things, the ups and downs, we know that they're going to happen. You know, I mean, it's it's no surprise um, that these things happen. And so um, now if it does happen, I'm not reactive because of all what Patty was saying, you know, the tools in our toolkit and going to meetings, having a sponsor, going through the step program, mm-hmm. um, meditation, journal, whatever, you know, getting out in nature and hiking. 
um, write, you know, um, writing, uh, I, when I do journals every once in a while, I'll just do the gratitude list, you know, mm-hmm. just these mm-hmm. things that, that you just do in today, um, and how things are going today. And, and so if something comes up, um, after, you know, you're working through all these and, and learning from more, however you learn, don't forget it when yeah. it comes up, mm-hmm. when it comes up. To, you know, you've got all these tools to respond and just do your best. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, but just taking away the um, thought process of I've got to fix this or I've got to uh, manipulate him into doing this or, you know, all those things that are – that. Don't, that that I know now don't work. Don't go back to those. Mm-hmm. Those are just you know talking about going back to your patterns. So that's how I look at it. Is that um, as you go from day to day and you you, you work through things, um, however you work through it on your journey, it prepares you for those instances where something comes up, and of course it will, um, mm-hmm. and you just respond as best you can. That's a huge piece of it right there of just knowing that it's going to happen Mm -hmm. because then that you already are dropping the resistance of like, so when it does, it's like, Mm -hmm. this can't be happening. Why is this happening? You know, like that, there's so much extra energy, I think, that a lot of times we bring into that, Mm -hmm. those moments of stress, which are normal, part of life, but then we make it a lot worse by resisting it or beating ourselves up Mm -hmm. or... I love that you use that term, Matt, because I, I realized that was one of my early recovery things that I really recognized, just like we said, not being so reactive for me. It took me a while to realize how much I was resisting all mm. the time. Just so many things mm-hmm. in my life I was walking around yeah. resisting, resisting. You don't realize it. And then when you have that surrendering, what a different, you know, that's when you start to feel more peace come yeah. into your life. And it's it's a really great feeling. But yeah, if you start to feel that, um, you know, that discontent coming up and those feelings to say, okay, what is it I'm resisting right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, it's, and for me, a lot of times it actually was underneath it all was some fear. Yeah. And so admitting that, you know, okay, so what is, all right, I'm, you know, afraid, let's just acknowledge that right now I'm feeling that and, you know, and, and, and just kind of acknowledge it, sit with it, do whatever to process it, let it go, acknowledge it. And then, you know, maybe have a, for me, a physical outlet was helpful, but meetings too, if I could go talk to mm-hmm. it, talk about it as sure. well. So It reminds me of that. There's a part in the big book. Um, by the time they get to step nine or step 10, rather, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, yeah. you know? And it's like, I think a similar thing happens mm-hmm. to families. It's like, we've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even their disease or, mm-hmm. or panic or, you know, right. insert whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's a, I think there's a really profound kind of nonviolent sort of approach at mm-hmm. the core of these 12 steps. It's like a disarming process. Yes. We're laying down, we have all these weapons that we think are helping us, mm-hmm. you know, fend off danger. And then we slowly kind of realize, oh, wait, maybe these are kind of part of the problem yeah right yeah yeah (laughs) let's practice nonviolence. yeah right which is yeah the last person i interviewed for this was an interventionist he's a really successful interventionist Mm -hmm. and then he talked at the end about how but when it came to his own son having an addiction all the experience everything it couldn't help 
It all he, the most helpful thing he could do was get out of the way. Yeah. And and this is someone who has those tough conversations and leads families through it for a living and has done it probably, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of times. It's so different when it's yours. Because again, yeah. I have a helping field background as well. And so, but when it's your own family member, it is so true that it, it's, you got to let go and say, I'm not going to be able to, to fix this or say it, do it just the right way at all. It's going to go out the window. I agree totally. <laughs> There's something very humbling about that. Oh, yeah. 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 I actually had, I remember talking. It was, it was helpful to me. It was very much a wake-up call to someone who was a therapist who was also in recovery and um, who had went through this on his journey mm-hmm. with his son. And I said to him, you know, how do you deal with the, you know, the guilt that, that you're, you know, here, you, you know, we're these helping professionals and our sons have had this issue. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, well, that's really kind of narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it. And I was like, oh, you're right. Because again, we're like, it's, but it's about me yeah. and I should be able to be, you know, whatever this higher power of myself, which right. I'm not. So, so that was, it was a little, it was painful, but I did laugh at the same time. So it hurt, but I was like, oh, he's so right. And there I go. And that was, yeah, that and it was, was me. Good that, that message came from him because of the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have turned out so nicely. Right. Yeah. Oh. Um, so what's, this is my last question. What is something that you would pass on to family members that are listening? If you could, um, if you could pass on anything. I mean, I think for me, it would be, you know, to, to really, um, do your work, get into your own recovery. Um, you know, it it really embrace it. And, and even if it's initially you, you know, it's still hard to see why it's about you. Um, cause, but to go ahead and, and be willing to, to open yourself up to, um, to help and support for you. And because it, it does make a difference because as you get healthier, just, it will, things will change regard. I mean, you're, you know, the person may still continue on their path, but you will, it will improve your relationship because you will soften because you're not in that continuous resistance all the time. And so I just think, yeah, getting, getting help for yourself is the, for me that I would say is the most important being willing to reach out and and seek that support, whether, you know, with 12 step meetings or whatever else is for you provides that, that support. Um, but yeah, your own recovery I think is huge. That's what I would suggest. Yeah. I mean, that's that, I agree with that. Um, totally. And I, I think, uh, one of the things is slow down, Mm -hmm. a sponsor, said it differently to me he says slow the hell down (laughs) slow it down and and here in this moment how are things going and and you know you hear one day at a time one day at a time you know it's it's kind of like ingrained in society but then if you just think about it you know say "Yeah, yeah i heard one day at a time sure but try to practice that and see how it goes because it 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 does goes it's does slow things down and um, and you don't have to make all these choices for other people, um, and and live their lives for them. So I just like it how things have kind of slowed, and 
simplified. Mm -hmm. But that said, in that slowness and the simplicity, um, I've found that my world's broadened um, and I have more interests and other people are more interesting um, and because I'm more open to things, you know. Um, and so, um, you know, just live life uh, that way. And, um, and, and if you, for me anyway, it's, it seems like it's useful. Now that said, I, I blow it constantly, you know, I can go back and forth, but when I slow things down, that's, it's my safer place. That's great advice. I, that's what I needed to hear that today. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so great. Like this is really gratifying for me to uh, to get to talk to people like you whose lives have really changed. And it reminds me of why I love working here at Mar. You know, it's just like so much. Uh, this stuff is just so applicable to whatever's going on in my life. Even though I don't have anyone in active addiction right now in my life, it's this is just good good life. Mm -hmm. skills you know that, really that we're talking about here so anyways i really appreciate you guys coming in to do this thank you Our pleasure. thanks thank matt you. thanks for listening to the mar experience stories of recovery i'm matt shed our co-producer is angela edmonds and our executive producer is david tate and once again if you want your own copy of the workbook that we were just talking about all you have to do is visit marinc.org slash workbook that's m-a-r-r-i-n-c dot o-r-g slash workbook and you can purchase a copy there and for podcast listeners we have a special offer you can get half off when you enter the promo code family at checkout thanks again and we'll see you next time